Welcome to the official podcast of DogsDaily.com, a Sports Illustrated channel. Gets to the edge. Tony Michelle will send the Dogs home to the championship game. If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you're in the right place. Hosted by Dogs Daily Riders, Jeremiah Stoddard, Kyle Funderburg, and Jonathan Williams. Here's pitch. And high out into right center with some carry. It's got a chance. This ball is out of here. Tucker Bradley has won it. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Dogs Daily. We got Jeremiah Stoddard as always today, and then we got Mr. Jonathan Williams with us. We don't have Kyle Funderburk with us today. He is attending a family member's wedding. So we are going to just have him come back and jump back in with us next week. But this week, it'll just be me and Jonathan, and we'll get you all caught up on everything you need to know. Obviously, there's a lot that happened already this week, but it happened so recently. We make the joke every single time that all of the breaking news, everything that goes crazy and happens either happens on like Wednesday or Thursday because we always record on Thursday nights. So, and it is Thursday, March 25th, and it's right at 724 right now. So a lot of stuff happened starting yesterday. Pickens, you know, the news came out yesterday afternoon about George Pickens tearing his ACL in his right knee, I believe. And then just a few minutes ago before we came on the show, we had to take a few minutes to kind of watch it before we could even do this. That's why we're just now getting getting it recorded is we had to watch Malachi Starks announce his commitment and he did commit to Georgia. So that's awesome. He chose Georgia over Clemson and Alabama, which makes you feel really good about the recruiting Kirby going up against uh, Saban and Dabo there and coming out with the win kind of helps it as a hometown boy just down the road in Jefferson, Georgia. So that's always good, but we'll cover a lot of the stuff between the two of those. I think the majority of our conversation is definitely going to be around George Pickens because that's the biggest, most relevant news for, you know, this coming season. And then we'll kind of talk about, Malachi Starks and, and what we expect him to do at Georgia when he, you know, comes to campus, probably, you know, he'll probably be an early enrollee, I would assume. And so he'll be here, you know, January coming up in 2022. So, Jonathan, what was your initial reaction when George went down? Well, I mean, you almost want to say it caught you off guard, but it almost seems like that Georgia fans deal with this type of thing every single offseason in the springtime. It seems like someone goes down with ACL and it always seems to be a significant player. but the thing that hurts most about it being George Pickens who ended up tearing his ACL is that in 2020, the 2021 season was really building up for this to be not only like a JT Daniels breakout season, a Georgia offense breakout season, but a George Pickens breakout season because last year he was dealing with like Stetson Bennett at quarterback, Dwan Mathis, that whole fiasco. But we saw where when JT Daniels became the starting quarterback where both of those just really seemed to explode in the offense. There's obvious chemistry between the two. So it, it was just people really excited because George Pickens was finally going to get that season where he would probably reach over a thousand receiving yards. And now that he tears an ACL, we know that's not going to happen. And then the question comes of, is George even going to be at UGA next year? Are we even going to ever see George Pickens in a UGA uniform ever again? Yeah. I mean, that, that was the biggest thing. I think everyone kind of, 
felt like it was a huge blow to the team, and it definitely was. I'm going to start this whole conversation because I'm going to go in about a few things in a minute, but I want to start by saying before we even get into it that losing George is a huge loss to the offense because he was a huge threat in the passing game. He was going to be able to, first of all, this was going to be his first school spring practice because he was a late enrollee his freshman year, so he didn't, he wasn't there for spring ball then. And then last year, he didn't get to do spring ball because of the pandemic. We didn't have spring ball. And so this was going to be his first chance at having spring ball with his new quarterback, with JT, and being able to learn everything and kind of get that chemistry built up going into the season, which makes a big difference for any player, especially wide receiver quarterback chemistry is huge. So he doesn't get to have that for the third year, and it might be his last time in a UGA uniform. So we don't know if he's coming back or not or what his decision is. It's way too early to know what his decision is going to be on that because there's a lot of things that go into that. And we'll get into that in a minute because I know, Jonathan, you and I were talking about that before we went on air here. And it's definitely going to be a huge loss. And it's going to be something that Georgia has to figure out how to replace and fill those those gaps in our you know offensive. What what George did. I know Brooks Austin, he did his film breakdown last night. I think it, it was public, so it's on YouTube as well. So you can go see that and he'll kind of break down. He does give a lot of information out there of who he thinks can step in and kind of fill those voids. My opinion is you can't replace George Pickens. He's not somebody you just replace right away, but he's somebody that we can still fill the voids in based on the things that he can do and like what he provided our offense. We have some guys that could fill those roles. It's just going to take a few guys to do it, whereas he was doing all of it himself. So my point of this is he is a massive piece of the offense, but I want everyone to understand this it's easy to see something like that happen and then all of a sudden you feel like you know the world's coming to an end the season's over you know it, it that's the initial reaction of a lot of people that i saw and their thoughts were you know we have no chance of going in week one and beating clemson and if we lose that game we have no chance of being a national championship team i, I don't understand that logic because one i do think we still have a very good chance to beat clemson because they also have a brand new quarterback that they haven't had. They have a lot of pieces missing on their offense they had to replace. Now, the, most of their defense is back, but they still have some stuff to figure out on offense themselves. So they may not be as good offensively as they were before. So you can't assume that we lose that game just because George goes down. And two, if you think that losing George Pickens, one wide receiver, which yes, once again, understand that I'm saying that he is probably the best wide receiver in college football this season if he come, if he was healthy and he put a few things together and, and kind of improved a couple of areas that he, as far as like his mental side and his effort level on other plays and, and his blocking, all that kind of stuff, he would be, as far as raw talent goes, he's definitely that guy. There was a few other things that he could have worked on this year, but as far as raw talent goes, he's probably the best wide receiver to come through Georgia, including A.J. Green and those guys. But But my point of that is just losing him, shouldn't be the difference for us having the chance in a national championship or not having a national championship title hope at all, right? Like, I don't, I don't know the, I don't understand the logic of just because one player at a wide receiver position goes down, especially if you look at our depth chart of who we have at that position this year. I don't know how you assume that we cannot win because of that. This year going into the season, we were on natty or bust. That's what we've all talked about. We've written articles about that. We've talked about it on here. It feels like natty or bust this year. Anything less than a playoff appearance is a letdown this season for me personally. And I know a lot of other people have the same feeling. That's because we had high hopes for our offense. George definitely played a huge piece in like the high hopes that we had for our offense. But to put it in perspective as well, we have Jermaine Burton. Dominic Blaylock is back from his injury. You know, we got Justin Robinson coming in this year, who I think is going to be a really good 
or not coming in this year. He redshirted last year. He was on the roster, but he'll he'll play a bigger role this year, I feel. And Kiaris Jackson is going to be healthy again. Arian Smith was starting to break out towards the end of the year. You saw his speed against uh, Cincinnati and what he could do on those go routes. Demetrius Robinson's back. You know, that's a senior. I know he hasn't done a ton in, you know, the Georgia uniform, but he's still coming back as well, and that's still going to be helpful. You got this whole list of guys that we absolutely loved. Like, think about everyone loved Blaylock, and he was incredible his freshman year, and then he got hurt. I mean, you can't forget that and just assume that he's not going to be able to step back up and, and help fill that void for us. And then Jermaine Burton is clearly breaking out. After, you know, last year he was having big games, and he's definitely going to be somebody that we expect to have a good season. And he's very well capable of being that 1,000-yard wide receiver that we need, in our opinion, of what we're going to do this year. So don't look at one wide receiver going down and just make the assumption that our season's over and we don't have a chance of national championship game. And definitely don't assume that we lose week one because we don't have him. Yeah, it'll be a big difference not having him there. And there was a lot of stuff that we would do differently. But here's the really good part about it. It happens so early in spring ball. Like we're what, one weekend, Jonathan? One weekend in spring ball? Right. So they still got three more weeks of spring ball left to get everything figured out. And then that means it happened early enough that other guys can start filling that role now. So they get to go through spring ball without him and kind of figure that out ahead of time and then jump into fall camp again, you know, later in the year before they actually go and play Clemson. There's a lot of time for them to figure that out. That's what I'll say. I mean, I, I'm not, I am very upset about Pickens being out. I do not believe that this means our season just yeah, ended. And here's my whole take on it. And I've been pounding this about this wide receiver group since um, the end of this last season is that what you lose with George is you lose a very big vertical threat, someone that's going to win over the top, probably more than 50-50. It's probably more around 70-50 when you're throwing to George Pickens, and JT Daniels realized that very early on during his time at Georgia. But we have other players who can also be a vertical threat and can run those routes that George Pickens was, and so you really don't lose anything in your offensive scheme because the great thing about this wide receiver group is that we have so many different players who could do so many different things, and so... Todd Munkin has a lot of things that he can work with on this offense. So, like you've been saying, yeah, Pickens, he's top player and top wide receiver in college football and was looking to be a, most likely a first-round pick. But everything is still in front of Georgia. Nothing is – like everything that they want to do this season is still in front of them. They have every opportunity that they want to do that because, one, they have JT Daniels, as I've been saying, a legit quarterback who knows how to spread the ball around and is going to have all spring to build chemistry with these wide receivers and everybody. And everybody's just going to get a really good feeling for this offense. And they're going to really understand where everybody's strengths are, where everybody's weaknesses are, and what they really want to do this season. So I'm with you on this. I don't, I still think Georgia has a very good shot at making the national championship game, even without George Pickens. And as people have been saying, even Kirby Smart just said this recently, is that George still does have a very good chance of coming back this season because he also pointed out that Devon Wilson tore his ACL in 2018 and then he was cleared for the, the later in the season for the 2018 season. So there is still a small chance that George Pickens could be cleared to play for postseason ball as an SEC championship game and playoff. Absolutely. And I think that you just hit on something big there as well. Everyone's assuming he's done and everything like that as well. But he, once again, he just got injured right now. This is not even April yet. and. The ACL injury, you used to, everyone used to have it be a full like calendar year was like almost guaranteed before somebody would be able to come back from something like that. That's just something that we had been used to for a while and we've kind of seen. But there's been a lot of stuff that's changed over the few years where 
you don't always see that as much anymore. Like think about Dominic Blaylock came back pretty quick from his, you know, he got hurt in um, against LSU in the uh, SEC championship game. And then he was, you know, back practicing, getting ready for the football season. He got hurt right before the actual regular season. So you're talking nine months, eight months, you know, and yeah. he's already going full speed again. And he was, he did get hurt again. Yes. But that was because, it's kind of a freak accident kind of thing. Like it's tearing an ACL is, doesn't even always happen in contact. Like he tore his ACL the first time with a contact injury. And then, you know, the second one he I'm pretty sure was a non-contact injury when he tore, tore it. And then you have, you know, Pickens who tore his with non-contact injury. So he wasn't yeah. getting hit or something like that and caused him to tear his ACL. So that kind of stuff just happens. It, it's you twist your knee so quick. And especially if they're wide receivers are trying to make quick cuts, turns, all that kind of stuff, it can be really easy for them to twist and their foot get planted weird or something like that. So that kind of stuff happens. But the recovery time is definitely sped <clears throat> up over the past couple of years, I would say for sure, for some of these kids. The good thing about George's injury is it was an isolated issue. They said it was just the ACL, so nothing else tore. A lot of times, think back to like, you know, remember when Nick Chubb tore his knee up against Tennessee and it was probably one of the nastiest injuries I've ever watched happen other than there's a few that you've seen um, through the past couple of years that were similar. But that one was it was really gross to see some, like his knee bend the way that it did and it tore everything. You know, it was ACL, PCL, MCL. I mean, everything tore in that man's knee because of the way it twisted and stuff like that. So it took longer for that injury. This is strictly an ACL and somebody had mentioned it. I just haven't confirmed. I haven't had any ability to confirm it. So if you have, you can chime in there, but somebody said it was a partial tear. so not even a complete tear, which if it is a partial tear, that also should speed up his recovery time. And if then, if it's like a full tear, so that would make a difference. I, I still stand by the fact that, you know, it's, it happened in March I'm not so sure he couldn't be back by the time we play in December in the SEC championship game. I, that's a long way away. I'm, I'm not so convinced he can't. Now, whether or not he will is a different story, but I'm not so convinced that he yeah, won't be able Yeah, of course, to. another thing you have to consider is that being we saw this with JT Daniels. You know, Being cleared is a whole lot different than being game ready. So although we may see it, we may see a article come out later in the season where it says George Pickens has been cleared, that doesn't necessarily mean we'll see him on the field. You know, George George is probably eyeing the NFL right now. He's seeing what his future's looking like. He's trying to probably already thinking about, like, you know, what do I want to do? Do I want to come back next year? Do I want to go to the NFL? So he has to be cautious about this, too, because the last thing you want to see is for him to come back too soon and then tear his ACL again. So there's just a lot of factors that come into this when you're talking about an ACL injury because it's just a fragile ligament at that point because once you tear it once, you, you know, it's always on your mind that it's going to happen again. So you don't want that to happen again for him. So it is possible. I think it, it could be very likely that we do see him again. But of course, you know, there's just so much in the area, you know, with injuries, it's hard to ever tell when a person is going to be back in action. Yeah, for sure. It, it's one of those things that it's really hard to know for sure. And, and you definitely draw a great comparison there because with like the JT Daniel stuff, and he came out and said that he was medically cleared earlier than he came into play obviously but just because they're medically cleared mean that just means that like that piece they're not worried about that specific thing necessarily getting re-injured but it doesn't necessarily mean the kid is ready to go again for full contact football that's the biggest difference like just because that one little bit may have been repaired he still needed to build strength in his leg overall he still needed to get you know more comfortable 
and he still needed to do a lot of stuff he hadn't been able to do yet. So all of that plays a big factor in it for, you know, when JT came back. So that could also be one of those things that, yeah, you know, Pickens gets cleared medically, but he won't necessarily be ready to play yet. And I do, I really do believe that this staff and, you know, the medical staff and, and Kirby will be a little cautious with it, especially with the, you know, the stuff that happened with Dominic Blaylock tearing his ACL and then coming back and then tearing his ACL again. I think they will be cautious with him because they don't want that to happen to him. And I know that he doesn't want that to happen. He's definitely still an NFL guy and he's, you know, a high draft pick still for sure. So he, he's not going to risk it if it's not something that he feels like he is ready to go or if they, if they don't feel he's ready to go. So that's the first thing. So if you do see him come back, just know that means that they really feel that he's comfortable coming back and that they think it's a good idea. And if you don't see him come back, that doesn't necessarily mean that medically he wasn't cleared, but that also doesn't mean he should be playing just because he's medically cleared. He's still got to think about a lot of other things. I think the biggest jump, everyone made the assumption that, you know, as soon as he got hurt, that means he's done. He's not going to play, you know, another game wearing the G and that he's going to be going straight to the NFL and just, you know, going ahead and, and confirming that or anything like that. But here's the thing about that. It's way too early for him to know exactly where his draft stock will be after next season because you see players make moves on, on the list all the time and all of those differences, all those things change, you know, throughout the season being played right before the draft. So if he doesn't play at all this year, right now everyone assumes he's a first-round draft pick. But he might not be. You don't know that. Like, that's not guaranteed. You would, you can assume because of the talent and stuff that he's he's shown, like, he has a lot of raw talent. But a lot of things that Brooks even pointed out a, long, uh, you know, a few months ago, he, he did a breakdown on George Pickens. And he started it by saying this is probably one of the best receivers to ever come through, you know, Georgia and play at the University of Georgia. But he has a few things that some people are worried about. So he confirmed basically that scouts have told him that there's a few things they are concerned about. You know, when you look at his mentality on some stuff, like he doesn't really put in 100% effort in blocking all the time. He kind of sits some plays off here and there because it's not coming to him. And he just, you know, he kind of loafs here and there when he feels like he's not going to be involved and he just doesn't really want to do it. Sometimes his routes can be a little bit sloppy and not as crisp and clean as they could be because he's not putting in as much work there or hadn't in the past couple seasons. But the guy is so talented that he's still thought to possibly be a first-round draft pick. But I'm not convinced that the scouts didn't want to see him play this year to see if he addressed some of those issues in the offseason. And because they were definitely things that had been brought up. And I'm you know he's been told the same thing. If you know Brooks was able to get that information, you know George got that information. So... I'm not so sure that he wouldn't think that he needs to come back to be able to show that, you know, whether it be late this year in the postseason kind of thing, if he's capable of it, or maybe next year so he can try to do that. He could come back and the season gets played out, and all of a sudden you have a, a Jalen or you have a Jalen Waddle and um, Devontae Smith type situation where everyone assumed that Waddle was the number one wide receiver in you know college football before he got hurt, and then he goes down, and all of a sudden his teammate over here, Devontae Smith, steps up and wins the Heisman. I mean. The guy, he was the, he was the second string wide receiver, you know, going into the season. He was playing, you know, side by side with Waddle a lot on the field, but technically number two on the charts there. He's the one that won the Heisman. So you can't sit here and say that just because your number one wide receiver goes down, that somebody else isn't going to step up and have that type of year. Jermaine Burton's very capable of being that thousand yard wide receiver and taking, you know, the bulk of the, the receptions and stuff like that and the targets from JT. Plus, Kyrus Jackson will be back. And he showed to be a very reliable receiver for Stetson Bennett early in the year as his favorite target. So I'm not convinced that that's going to be the end of 
everything for us in that aspect of it. I, I think that it could be still a great year. I think that Pickens could still want to come back because you don't really know what's going through his head. And like I said, you don't know what's going to happen when these draft like when these draft grades come in later in the year after the season's played out mostly. He might not officially know like where they're saying he'll go until like January. You know, Jonathan, we were talking about that, that earlier. Yeah, I mean, I mean kind of elaborate it, on that. First thing me. that pops into my mind when talking about something like that is Jamie Newman. I mean, Jamie Newman, when he transferred into Georgia last year around this time, everybody was saying, you know, this guy has potential to be the number three quarterback taken off the board. You know, it could very well be Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and then Jamie Newman. But that was if he played that season, he showed the scouts everything that they, because there's a lot of question marks surrounding Jamie Newman. You know, he played, a week four, so not top tier, um, not top tier competition there. So there was a lot of questions about his accuracy, his decision making, stuff like that. So there was potential that Jamie Newman would be a first round draft pick. And now you look at Jamie Newman, didn't play this year. He's looking at being a, probably a six round pick in the draft. So it just goes to George Pickens. You know, George Pickens has potential to be a first round pick, but there were still a lot of questions surrounding George about different things. And so without playing this season, you know. You don't know where he could be in the draft. You know, it could be where, like, hey, we know what you can do. We know the talent that you possess. We're willing to take you on in the first round. Or it could be a thing where, well, this guy played this year. He put up really good numbers. We know exactly what he can do. So we're going to take this guy and this guy and this guy. And maybe we'll pick you up in the fifth round or something like that. So it's just hard to tell this early on. We'll get a better idea of that as the season progresses on this year. And then a really good look at it come February of 2022. Yeah, I mean, that'll be... Like you said, February of 2022 is when you'll have. Because think about all the mock drafts and stuff coming out right now. I know I, we looked at uh, Mel Kuyper's most recent mock draft. They had, I think it was Devontae Smith at six or seven, um, and then Waddle was the position right behind him on the on the list. So you still got Waddle being able to go that high on the on the draft board after suffering his injury and only playing six games this year, with one of his games being the one that he got hurt in that he didn't have any catches in, and then the other game being the national championship game where he had three catches for I believe 30 five yards, something like that, 34 yards, I think. And so really he did all like his damage in four games and he had over 550 yards and he went over 120 yards in all four of those games with the highest one being 161. So he put a lot together in that short period of time. And that's why he's still able to be a first round draft pick, a high first round draft pick coming off his injury like that. George hasn't had that type of performance yet. And I'm not saying he can't. That's my whole point actually is the fact that he can he just hasn't technically done it yet. And he had a great freshman year where he put up 700 plus yards with, um, you know, it was basically him and Cager side by side for Georgia at wide receiver for the most part. He really didn't have that many people to really step in that year because of a lot going on. Um, and a lot of people left early and it kind of left us without a bunch of wide receivers. I really think that that's why people are so concerned about our wide receiver going down because in recent history, we just saw kind of the damage that happened when we didn't have wide receivers that we needed. The difference is this. We really only had two wide receivers that year. This year we have, we still have like five. We just listed all those names of guys that are highly touted and that have shown that they can do a lot of damage already. Like we already know they can. That's the thing. So it's not like we're just hoping somebody breaks. One of them we're kind of hoping he breaks out a little bit. Like Justin Robinson. Like I said, he didn't really, he didn't play, get any playing time really last year. So he's, he's coming in and this year will probably be his first year really getting some active time on the field, but he, He's very capable of stepping up, but the other guys have already been on the field and shown what they can do. Kiaris Jackson shown what he can do. We already saw Arian Smith out there just absolutely blowing by people. And then you saw, you know, Kiaris Jackson's been steady. You know, Blaylock has been steady. Um, 
all of these guys, we've already seen them do all of this. And so we know they're capable of it. Jermaine Burton is definitely capable of stepping up to be, you know, your wide receiver one type guy. Like he, he's definitely capable of it. So he, what did he finish with? Like 500 yards, something like that last year still? 404. So Jermaine Burton had 404 yards and George Pickens put up 513 yards. So about a hundred yard difference there between the two guys. So he's very capable of doing a lot of damage himself. Like you can't just assume that he's not going to be able to do that and, and kind of break out the way you want to see it. Now, once again, Pickens is definitely leaving a big spot open. With, like you said, his capability of going up and getting those 50, 50 balls or like, you know, that uh, the joke we made on, on air with Brooks a few weeks ago. And he said, screw it. George down there somewhere talking about JT saying, screw it. George down there throw it somewhere and just chunks it. He was able to do that. That's something that he may not be able to do as much this year because Pickens was that guy that he knew he felt comfortable throwing it up there to either catch it or get past an appearance. The odds of somebody picking it off or something like that were he felt were very low on his side. Like he felt comfortable with that. The question is, does he feel that comfortable with somebody else? But my response to that is he has time to kind of figure that out. That's the point of he has spring ball. He still has three weeks of spring ball to figure that out with the guys he has right now. And then he's still gonna have fall camps and stuff before we actually get into the season. So he can figure out if he's got that guy. And Brooks pointed out last night on his breakdown that he feels Justin Robinson can very well be that guy. He he said coming out of high school, his comparison that he always gave was Pickens. He said he is very similar to Pickens. He has a lot of the same play style. He can do a lot of the same things. So the big thing is whether or not he can step up and do it with his first real chance to get yeah, out there and, and do it as well. The first person I thought of when I got the when I heard the news about Pickens was Marcus Rosemi, Jack Saint. Now, unfortunately for for Rosemi. He is not getting spring ball right now either because he had that injury in the Florida game, which sidelined him for the rest of the year. So he's not going to be getting any springtime right now either. But he was another guy I thought of because for the Florida game, we did not have George Pickens. George Pickens did not make the trip down to Jacksonville. And although it was a fairly short glimpse of what Rosemi could do in the offense, he looked pretty solid to me too. You know, he went out on injury on a touchdown grab for one reception, 32 yards and one touchdown. So he looked pretty solid to me. I don't know how he fits in now because Justin Robinson is going to be in spring ball. He's going to be in on the action, getting reps. And Rosamie won't. But I think both Robinson and Rosamie will both have a great shot of filling that role, filling in the shoes of Pickens and doing their best to hold it down over there on the on the edges in regards to the offense and lining up for the wide receiver position. Oh, absolutely. I think I think uh, Rosamie Jackson is definitely pop, like, capable of that. And he showed flashes of, looking really good throughout the year. You know, a couple times he got some, uh, like you said, he got that, that touchdown catch against Florida, which, you know, we were feeling pretty good about the game at that moment. Like we weren't feeling like we were in a lot of trouble at that point until a little bit later, but that was a, it was a nasty injury to see. And you hated to see it for the kid, especially right after that type of play he got to make. It was supposed to be such a good moment for him. I believe that was, I mean, it was definitely his first touchdown. So yeah. So half of his yardage and his touchdown came on that one play there. So out of his four catches. So he he didn't get to show a lot of what he could do, but that one play was it was a nice touch. You know, you could see a lot of his capabilities there. It was a pretty play. He's definitely a guy that I could see stepping up as well. Like you said, he doesn't get spring ball, which is a factor for me that's definitely going to kind of hurt him. And that's where I think that uh Justin Robinson has a a better chance of stepping up earlier on because of that, because of spring ball and everything, having time to build that chemistry with JT. The biggest thing with wide receivers and quarterbacks is chemistry. If you can figure out how each other runs the routes, their speeds, you know where to put the ball for them, that they can go up and get it and you feel comfortable with them getting it every time. That kind of stuff just takes reps. They got they get out there, they have to throw a ton of them. And there's 
newsflash, they do that outside of practice stuff. They do extra stuff, extra work together, which there's been a lot of talk about them doing right now where JT's still throwing the wide receivers and stuff after practices and all this stuff like that because it takes a lot of time for them to build that. Good thing, like I said, is they have time to do that right now. The other thing that I want to point out about this offense, everyone assumes that our offense is doomed all of a sudden because we don't have George Pickens in there. And once again, on Dogs Daily, we've written several things about this, and Brooks was the one that you know spearheaded this and, and came out and said his Super Bowl prediction kind of thing was having two wide receivers go over a thousand yards to Georgia, with you know Pickens being one and then Burton being the second. So, if that was the case with Pickens, if he genuinely believed that with Pickens, I mean, doesn't that mean that you know Burton should have even more capability of going a lot higher? You know, and and my point to that is a conversation that we had several weeks ago as well when we talked about the player that was going to have a breakout year on offense and who was going to have the most offensive yards for Georgia, right? Most people or a few a few people said Pickens. There was good reason for that because if you're thinking about the offense of it, my pick was Zamir White, which is definitely still a possibility in this offense. And the reason I bring that up again, think back to Todd Munkins last year at Southern Miss as a head coach, right? He had two wide receivers like right at a thousand yards you know um, Michael Thomas not the original Michael Thomas that's playing with the Saints but Michael Thomas that was drafted in 2016 by the Rams I believe but he went for 1391 yards and then Casey Martin went for 925 yards but then they also had two running backs go over a thousand yards rushing with Jalen Richard and Ito Smith who one went to the Falcons and one went to the Raiders and have actually played pretty well there so they had two running backs and two wide receivers like at a thousand yards because they had a ton of offense. Plus they had another another guy had seven hundred and seventy nine yards receiving in DJ Thompson. So there were plenty of guys getting a lot of reps in that explosive offense that they had that year with him while he was in his last year as a head coach there. I, I don't see why the one guy going down means that Munkin isn't going to be capable of putting up a lot of points. Oh still. yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you, do you see what I'm I've saying? I've been thinking there? it all along is that even though George is gone, we still have everybody else. George, I mean, we've been saying it and we've been preaching it that this is the best offense that Georgia will have in, in a very long time, that we've seen in a very long time. And that goes with saying that we still have all of our running backs. and That's something that Georgia fans love. We love our running backs because they're so explosive. We utilize them so much. Todd Munkin loves his running backs. He utilizes them in the passing game, the rushing game, everything. So, Yes, it's 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 by far your best offensive player and your biggest offensive threat. But I just don't think it washes away anything else from the season. I think you still have everything in front of you, and you still have all of your other offensive weapons. Todd Munkin has all of spring to get his offense situated, get guys used to having to rely on it, other guys in different positions, and working out the offense and working out different kinks to where they can get this going in smooth sailing when the season comes around, when Clemson come, when we go up to play Clemson. So. There's a lot of time before the first game. There's a lot of time before the season starts. Georgia has time to get this offense ready for next season without George Pickens. And so I would say it's almost glad that it I'm almost glad that it happened now, whereas before where it would have happened right before the season. So Georgia's is still in prime position to make their national championship run. Absolutely. And that was that's kind of like my point that I was making earlier. Think yeah. that when we lost Blaylock, it was a couple weeks before the season started. And when he tore his ACL the second time, it's a big help for Georgia offensively to be able to prepare this long without George rather than it being right before the season. That makes the biggest difference in the world. I also want to note that with that Southern Miss team, you know who the quarterback was? It was Nick Mullins. I mean, he did all that with Nick Mullins 
at the quarterback. So, I, in in also in that situation, Edo Smith had 500 yards receiving himself, and Jalen Richard had 284 yards receiving. So, the point of it is, and the reason I bring this up again is, just because we lost one wide receiver doesn't mean that our passing game is still going to be like hurting too much overall. There will be a difference. Don't get me wrong. I don't want people to take that the wrong way. I understand how important Pickens is and how talented he is and how big of a deal it is that he is gone personally, like as far as his his abilities. But the whole point in having such great recruiting with Kirby Smart is to prepare for these moments. There's a reason George has had the number one, the number two, the number three, and even the number four recruiting class over the past couple of years with him, that means we have a lot of talent on the team. Not everybody can start. That means there's a lot of guys that are going to be talented guys, four stars, five stars that may not be starting right away for you. So when somebody like Pickens goes down, it just gives somebody else the opportunity to step up and take their position a little bit sooner than you expect them to be able to do. That doesn't mean that our season's going to really, really be down all of a sudden. And plus, like you said, going into the Clemson game, we just might have to get back to a little bit more of the Georgia brand of, of football early on and kind of play bully ball and sit here and try to run a little bit more against Clemson than we thought we would, just so we give ourselves a little bit more time on offense. To As long as we get past that game with a win, there's no reason we can't go undefeated in the regular season. I mean, there's there's no argument against that. Like As far as our schedule goes, afterwards, in the SEC East and in the teams we play, there's no reason we shouldn't still win every single game. And even if we lose to Clemson in Week 1, which I don't think we necessarily will, I think it's a toss-up still, even without George. I think it's still a toss-up of which way that game can go. I don't see us losing an SEC game that year, which means we'll still be in the SEC championship game and we'll still get our shot our shot against Bama like we need to do every year anyways. Can't beat Bama, you won't go anywhere afterwards, but that's not impacted by our first game against Clemson. Losing to Clemson will not ruin our playoff chances. We still have to beat whoever we play in the SEC championship game, no matter what happens in week one. So I, I don't I hate that argument and I was getting heated in a discussion with that yesterday. I know you kind of peeped into it on the Discord chat with uh with Brooks and them over there on, on Patreon. We were all talking about everything when it happened, and it was kind of going back and forth with a couple people about the situation. That's kind of why we're talking about some of this right now. A lot of the arguments were made that, you know, Georgia's season, we didn't have a chance to make a national championship if we couldn't beat Clemson week one, and they didn't think we could beat Clemson week one without George. And I definitely disagreed with all of that was that was stated there because, one, I definitely think we can still beat Clemson. Clemson did lose a decent amount of guys on their offense. I mean, they lost Trevor Lawrence. The dude's going to be the number one overall draft pick. You don't think they're going to have a little bit of a step back from that? That's a big deal. Like, that's a lot of talent at the most important position. And, yeah, their quarterback coming in, he's a talented guy, but he might need a little bit of time to grow in the season himself. Like, you don't know. And I I just think that we still can win that game, and we might just have to shift a little bit more to our run game that way. But once again, the reason I pointed out that Ito Smith and Jalen Richard both were actively in the pass game is our running backs will probably be very active in the pass game as well. Munkin likes that and we have a few running backs that are very capable of doing that and I think that that will help in the situation where Pickens is you know not on the field anymore. That, that'll take a little bit of attention from the defenses to really kind of free up Jermaine Burton, Rosemary Jack Saint, and then you know Kiersh Jackson and all of those guys, Arian Smith, all of those guys will be able to have a little bit less attention on them because of the threat of guys coming out of the backfield that's my point I think we're still okay like I don't I'm not concerned about the season as a whole because of the wide receiver yep, and I'll end it with this that's my it thing. is a major loss but it is always not lost that's all I'll put it absolutely absolutely that's the whole point of this discussion here once again we'll end it with the fact that I can't say this enough like we definitely understand on on the podcast here 
on Dogs Daily that he's definitely a very important piece of our offense. It's somebody that you are definitely going to see, you know, some things where you wish you had him because you, something different could have happened in those situations if he was on the field. You're going to have those moments. Just hold on to hope for the season. Do not throw in the towel on the year just because of one thing that happened in spring ball right now. I understand a lot of stuff that a lot of fans have this like extra built up like frustration with Georgia since it's been so long since we've won a national championship and everyone going into this year assumes that we're not assumes, but just understands that this is a national championship team caliber team, meaning we have the, we had all the pieces to go in and win it. And it is a, a season that we are almost as fans demanding a, a national championship run and a playoff appearance. Once again, if, if we make the playoffs like that to me, make the playoffs and lose somewhere you can't say that this is a bad season but I do think that Georgia needs to make the playoffs this year I think that's kind of like the the standard that's been set at this point but my point of it is don't give up on hope for that right away there's still a lot of hope out there all of the stuff we highlighted a little bit is reason to believe that Georgia is still going to be okay and Georgia will still be able to get to that same spot once again if we lose week one against Clemson we still have the SEC games that actually matter as far as us getting to Atlanta and as long as we get to Atlanta and take care of business there we still go to the playoffs. We we do. And that's the thing that you've got to remember. Georgia will adjust. We've done this stuff before we can. One player isn't going to end. If it was your quarterback, I understand. You saw how bad our season started out last year without having JT or Jamie Newman ready to go at that point. So we saw how that played out. But when you're talking about the wide receivers, the skill position, it's still important, but it's not going to be as big of a loss as if it was your quarterback. So the season's still intact. Don't give up hope yet. I'm still confident Georgia has a chance at a national title, and you should too. And that's what we'll leave it on. Georgia's season is definitely not over. We'll finish that discussion on that. We will jump over real quick because we got to talk about Malachi Starks. Five-star out of Jefferson, Georgia. He's technically an athlete. Um, I think it's because he plays, you know, Wildcat quarterback over there. So he's on offense too, and then he plays defense. Um, he plays defensive back over there as well. So kind of give us a well, little I mean, bit of a rundown. On Brooks him, put it the best. He just tweeted this out right after um, his commitment is that he doesn't know where necessarily Starks is going to play at Georgia, but he is going to be one of the best athletes on the field at all times when he is playing. So that's the best way to put it about Malachi Starks, local talent from Jefferson, Georgia. And I will note this, that with his commitment, Georgia currently now has three of the top five players in the state of Georgia for the 22 recruiting class. So as per usual, Kirby Smart is locking down the state as they always do. And they're also in the mix for a bunch more in the top 10. So 2022 class is looking really strong as of right now. Starks is going to still take visits after, even though he just committed today. So, Never know what could happen, but definitely a great commitment for Georgia, especially another great addition for the secondary, which I assume he will play in. Absolutely. And I will point out that those visits, one of his visits that he's going to do, he's going to take an official visit to Georgia, which yeah, to me is going to help that. You know what I mean? If he's already committing now and he hasn't been able to have his official his official visit there, we get to kind of solidify that. And yeah, but I like the fact that he came out openly beforehand and we all know that he's going to be taking visits afterwards. And to me, here's the thing. I, I was never... Um, that good at sports in high school to where I was being recruited like this. So I can't imagine how it feels to be like that guy that everyone wants to talk to all of these guys, you know, reaching out to you, these coaches, these teams, 
asking you to come to campus and stuff like that. And here's the thing. You're 17, 18 years old. Absolutely. Man, go have a good day at Alabama. Go have a great day at Clemson. Who cares? As long as you come back and you're still a dog at the end of the day, I don't care where you go and you have some fun, man. That's a cool experience. That's something you shouldn't miss out on just because you didn't get to go on your official visits before you committed. I think he wants to commit early on, so he's kind of like in it a little bit more and he feels more comfortable with his whole decision. And it kind of makes it a little bit easier going into his senior year and dealing with his you know, last football season, all that kind of stuff where he isn't as concerned about you know trying to decide where he's trying to go while he's trying to graduate high school and then play his senior season. He, he's going to have a little bit more flexibility there. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that he shouldn't get to go on these official visits. Think about it. They couldn't do it oh, for yeah. a year. What did we say? Like 18 months that they haven't been able to go on official visits or something like that? that. So he hasn't had a chance to do that. You can't sit here and tell me that the kid has to make his decision today and then isn't allowed to like make sure that that's the right decision for him. I, I support it. I hope he doesn't, you know, flip by going somewhere else like that. But I definitely support his decision. Oh, to yeah. visit you just other want to make sure that he picks a school that. that he's most comfortable with, the, the coaching staff that he's most comfortable with, with whatever play. If Athens is what he feels like is the best fit for him to call a home, then great. If it's Tuscaloosa, then best of wishes to him. You know, wherever that is, you just want to make sure that he's making the best choice for his future because that's all that matters. You know, these kids are making the biggest decision of their lives. So you want them to be able to explore all their options, go visit the campuses that they want to go see and make sure that they truly are making the right decision for themselves. So, yeah, absolutely. He, I am happy that he gets to go make his official visits, especially as you said, he hasn't been able to do that at all. So, yeah, absolutely. Go have fun. Enjoy your official visits. Take advantage of them and really make sure that you're making the right choice for yourself. Absolutely. And and once again, like this, just because you commit now doesn't mean you shouldn't get to have those experiences, man. They, think about it. Like you're going to be coming to, you know, Athens and Kirby Smart's going to wine and dine you like you've never been wine to dine. Then you're going to get the same kind of treatment from like Nick Saban. It's going to be you're going to be feeling like a king at these visits. And, and there's no reason that you shouldn't be allowed to do it. I don't know why. Well, I know why, but I don't know how it's like still able to stay intact. That Clemson yeah. doesn't let players go on visits and stuff after they commit. Once they commit, they don't go anywhere. They're not allowed to, which I don't. I understand why they do that, because they're, they don't want them to decide to go somewhere else. And that they, they basically say, commit now. If you want to commit, you know, you have to commit right now. And if you do. You can't start going other places. They they might threaten to pull their offer, you know, in those situations. They might say that, sorry, you're going to go all these different places. We don't have a spot for you just to scare them. And if they want to go to Clemson, maybe that's like what keeps them from doing it because they don't want that to be pulled or anything like that. But you're also talking about a school that didn't have somebody decommit in like five years or something like that. Like they didn't have a player decommit from their, you know, after committing for like four or five years, which is really weird. It makes you wonder what's going on there in that aspect of it. But my whole point is that's the only team that has gotten away with the fact that the kids don't go on visits after they've committed and stuff like that because they just do things different somehow. I don't know. But my point of that is it, it, they should be allowed to go out and live up those moments and, and enjoy all of it because this is the biggest decision that they're making in their life. It literally, I mean, we talked about this like a few months ago, I believe, but we made the comment about like, man, they're making the hardest decision of their entire life. And going up into this last season, they haven't been able to go visit these schools, but they've been having to make the decision on where they want to go for three to four years. The transfer portal kind of helped that and the one year waiver to not have to sit or anything like that, being able to transfer and, and be able to play right away if you do it one time has also helped that as well. Because think about the guys that have come onto campus this year in 2021 that didn't get to really get an official visit, but all of a sudden they had to make that lifelong decision and they're on campus. And all of a sudden it's not what they thought it was going to be. Like that's, that's a big deal. And they, 
I can't imagine making this type of decision at 17, 18 years old. Like, this is huge. So, yeah, go out there, live your best life, have fun, and just make sure you come back to Athens afterwards. So I'm excited to see him as well. Like you said, there's no official word of, like, where he'll play because he is an athlete. And I know uh, watching his commitment tonight, one of the guys that talked on there about him said something about him wanting to potentially play both offense and defense some. And I do, I will say, I'll go out and say that, like, I do feel that if he does play a little bit of offense, it'll probably be in one of those roles. Similar, like, if you remember Brandon Smith, you know, a cornerback that he he was one of our better cornerbacks, obviously, but he also played, you know, on offense a little bit. He would come in and line up in the slaughter. He would line up in the backfield as a running back a little bit. And you kind of saw some plays yeah. here and there. And Brandon Boykin did a lot of the same kind of stuff, too. Um, just because they were like twitchy and explosive players. Same reason that Brandon Boykin was our punt returner. I mean, he just twitchy, make explosive plays and make somebody miss. And all of a sudden he's just got all the speed and takes off. So there's a reason uh, Malachi is running, you know, the Wildcat offense over there. He, he's very athletic. So you could see him do that. I'd say defensively, you're, I mean, he's going to be a defensive back. I know a lot of talk about him playing safety and stuff like that. So there's no telling where he'll end up being. But I, I would venture to say it's probably defensive back. Um, and then if he does play on offense, maybe he lines up in slot a little bit where he can run, you know, a jet sweep or, you know, run something down the seam and just take off, get the ball in his hands quickly and just makes a play. Um, what I don't, I know we talked about this a little bit, Jonathan, is I, what I don't think we'll see too much if he does play some offense. I, I don't really see us wanting to take one of our running backs off the field to put him at a running back. That's why I say maybe he's lined up a slot, but I'll yeah, let you kind I of mean, elaborate on that. How many weapons Georgia well. has on offense now and how does, I think Munkin has really put an emphasis on recruiting really talented athletes, of course, on the offense. So you don't necessarily want to take away one of your top athletes on the field to put in your starting defensive back necessarily. So it may just be, like you said, a few quirks or a different different types of plays that they maybe one run like once every four games, something like that, like a jet sweep or something similar to that. Or heck, maybe even they throw in a little trickery where they throw behind where they do a ladder and he, he throws a dime down the field to a wide receiver, you know, something like that. You know, it's not going to be like an every game thing or like every possession, something like that. So he'll definitely most likely, in my opinion, be majority defense. That's where he'll hang around and then maybe throw in a few wrinkles with, within the offense as well. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point that I hadn't even, I, I wasn't even thinking too much about that. He definitely could be a, a guy that they want to put out there for a trick play type thing. Cause once again, he is playing quarterback. He's still got to throw the ball. He does run more of like the wildcat. Like he runs the ball a lot and stuff like that. Um, at Jefferson right now, but he definitely can still throw the ball. So that means like he is a threat to go out there and throw the ball on a trick play or something like that when he comes in. So that's something I, I that was a really good point. I, I wasn't even thinking about that, to be honest with you. But yeah, once again, I, I don't think he'll be offensive guy like a lot. He probably will see him out there every once in a while, like we're talking about, but most likely he's going to be defense. And, you know, based on what he's played in high school and, you know, what he's done is he, he's played defensive back and I know there used to be a lot of talk saying that he would most likely be a safety. I think that's what we were kind of recruiting him towards. But once again, there's no telling. I mean, these guys come on campus all the time and they end up playing positions you don't necessarily expect them to. I mean, shoot, Lavasia Carroll was uh, was running yeah. out at you know Adam some Anderson defensive playing back star stuff right for us. I mean, you just you know, never know in, in spring stuff. So Adam Anderson playing star, a lot changes once you get in college too. Like these guys, like they get out there, they they might be able to do something they haven't. Just because they haven't played it before doesn't mean they can't and they can't play it at a high level. We've had guys switch positions from you know offense to defense and all kinds of stuff take like Crowder. that and play, and that's where they end up playing permanently. And it just makes yeah, Tate Crowder was a running back out of high school, and then he played linebacker. And look, he got drafted by the you know New York Giants, and he played some his rookie year in the NFL. Like he. Absolutely. And he played a big role for Georgia late in his career too, like his senior year. 
So that's the kind of stuff that just because you get recruited at one thing doesn't necessarily mean you can't play a different position and play it well. That's where you have such an important role as like these coaches and, and Kirby Smart to sit here and notice, hey, he looks like he might be able to do this. Let's give it a try. Let's see what he can do. And then we'll go from there. And all of a sudden it takes off and the kid is great at it. I mean, that's that's my whole point of it. Like, we'll see what he does officially. You never really know. But I will say, I mean, I think you will most likely see defensive back. That's just based on like what he's played. And Georgia wasn't recruiting him to be a quarterback, believe it or not. So that's not exactly, you know, that route we're going with it. But we definitely, I feel comfortable saying that, you know, defensive back and wherever he plays, like Brooks said, wherever he plays, he's going to be the best person on the field. Like he's, he's talented. He's that guy. He's definitely going to be that dude for us at some point once he gets on campus and starts showing out. Um, but I'm excited to see that. I'm really excited to see him commit today. That, like I said, it was all this news always kind of falls right before we go on air. And so we always just kind of make the joke about we don't really know what we're going to talk about until right before we go on air because so much changes so quick in the middle of the week for us. You know, we had you know, Pickens news dropped yesterday on Wednesday. And then today we found out that Malachi is coming to Georgia, which, you know, I, they've been talking about him for a while and, and Georgia has been recruiting him extremely hard. So I don't know that anybody was super surprised necessarily, but still super excited about him coming in. So it's definitely noteworthy and something we definitely wanted to talk about as well. But it's always fun to get on here with you, Jonathan. Um, we'll have Kyle back with us next week. Once again, if you're listening, don't forget, we are on social media now with our own accounts on there. So on Twitter, it's at, at Dogs Daily P-O-D. And then on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Dogs Daily P-O-D, as in pod. Give us a, a like, a follow, um, share our stuff on there. Keep up with us. Ask us questions, anything like that that you want to. Or you can always reach out to our personal stuff. We'll have all the links in the info of the episode below here. And then other than that, everybody have a great week. Hopefully everything kind of feel a little bit better about the offensive situation with Georgia. Once again, don't forget Georgia is still going to be a great team. Don't give up on it and don't assume it's the worst case scenario for us. But everybody have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dogs Daily on Sports Illustrated. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Dogs Daily crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at Jeremiah underscore Stod 7, to Kyle at DK Fubderberg, and Jonathan at 22 underscore J-Man. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime, go dogs. Go dogs.